0: Good morning, church. Good to see you here this morning. hope you've had a good weekend. Obviously, we've enjoyed the nice weather. We've got some nice football going on this past weekend as well. Glad that you're here this morning. We got a little bit of a treat because we've got a lot of Mandy's family here this morning. I don't know if you noticed that, so I have to be on my best behavior. So uh, glad that they are here with us. Also, uh, glad that you're here this morning. We're, we're excited to see you. You know how sometimes preachers will tell a story And you, maybe in the back of your mind, you're thinking, is this true? Is this really, is this a true story? Because you know how preacher stories are, right? That's the the stigma of, well, this is a, there's stories and then there's preacher stories. And sometimes if we preface it by saying, well, I've got a true preacher story, then you might think, well, isn't that an oxymoron to say true and preacher story in the same phrase? But I actually do have a true preacher's story this morning that I want to share with you. It's about this bird. Uh, His name is Chippy. He's a parakeet. Chippy is, uh, he just lives his best bird life. He's kind of sitting there, he's on his little perch in his cage, uh, just, you know, does what he wants. He has a pretty relaxed, chill life. And one day his owner, this this woman, single woman, she comes along and she decides, I'm going to clean up the house a little bit. I need to do some cleaning. And so she gets out the vacuum cleaner and she specifically gets out the little vacuum hose with all the little attachments and she's going around and she's cleaning up around, around the house. And she looks in Chippy's cage, and she says, you know, it's really, really messy down here. I need to clean this up a little bit. And so she gets her little hose, and she opens up Chippy's cage, and she goes in there and starts cleaning up some of the stuff in there. And just then, the phone rings. And so the lady sits down the hose. she, She goes over to the phone. She picks up the phone, and as soon as she says hello, she hears it. The And Chippy's been sucked up in the hose. So she says, hey, i got to call you back. And so she hangs up the phone. She runs back over, and she turns off the vacuum cleaner. And sure enough, she looks in the, in the, ba- the bag. This is back when vacuum cleaners had bags, not the little, you know, pull-out car- canisters or whatever. She looks in the bag. There's all this dirt, all the soot, and debris, all the stuff she's been kind of vacuuming up. And she looks down at the bottom, and he's kind of twitching a little bit. But sure enough, there's Chippy. He's at the bottom. He's, he's scathed, but he's, he's alive, okay? So, so then she gets him out, and she says, well, now this bird is filthy, And I need to do something about that. So she rushes to the bathroom, and she blasts Chippy with this cold tap water. And of course, she's got to get all the stuff off. So it's not just a quick splash. She's she's wiping him down. She's using her hand and trying to get all this stuff off of him. And she finally gets him clean. But now Chippy is just kind of, you know, shaking. He's just freezing. And so she does what any good bird owner would do. She says, well, I need to warm him up. And so she starts blasting him with the hot air from the hairdryer, and Chippy at this point, you know, he's, he's had enough. Uh, he, he's, he was just sitting there on his perch, things were going well, but now he has been sucked in and washed up and blown over. I mentioned this is a true story, uh, there was a news station that went back out to this woman's house a few weeks later. Uh, it must have been a slow news day. Uh, and she goes. they go to this woman's house and, and they said, well, how's things going? How is Chippy you know, recovering? It, you know, how's he doing since that incident? And she said, well, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just kind of sits there and stares off into space. Uh, and I think you, we could understand why. If you've been through those types of situations where you've been sucked in and washed up And blown over. Now, I'm not going to to ask for any confession. I'm not going to ask for you to tell me your story, and we're certainly not going to trade stories and swap stories and say, well, who has it worse uh, this morning? But I'm going to assume that with as many people as we have here this morning, that there are some of you who are dealing with trials in life, things that Maybe you didn't see coming. Things were going well, perhaps. And then like Chippy, just an instant, your whole world changes. Maybe you're someone who in this past week, you've received that phone call from the doctor that you were dreading. You got some negative news. Maybe you're dealing with the loss of a loved one this morning. Maybe you have some some bad habits or addictions that you are fighting and wrestling with. Maybe you have some trouble at work. Or even in your family. I think many here this morning, if we're honest, are dealing with trials of one kind or another. We've been going through this psalm. We started this series last week, Psalm 119. Obviously, it's not only the longest psalm in the Bible, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. We did a quick uh, intro and looking at that. We talked about the fact that this is an acrostic psalm. There's 22 characters in the Hebrew alphabet. And you'll notice in this psalm, there's 22 paragraphs, each consisting of eight verses. And so there's 176 verses in the, in this psalm. But each line uh, for each section begins with that same character, that same letter in the alphabet. And he goes through the entire thing. It's kind of like a, if we were to say in, in our, our our alphabet, it would be like a Hebrew alphabet, uh, Hebrew A to Z in poetic form. This is how he's writing this psalm. Uh, there's 178 references to God's word. He uses a lot of different words to talk about that. We looked at some of those uh, last week. So this section that we're going to look at this morning, again in Psalm 119, we're going to start in verse 25 if you want to follow along there. And we're going to look at this little section, this little paragraph, starting in verse 25. Psalm 119, verse 25. He says, "'My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word.'" I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make clear to me the way of your precepts and then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul melts with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove me from the path of deceit and graciously grant me your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set your ordinances before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me, not be put, let me not be put to shame. I run in the path of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. Now the section before this, the psalmist has been talking about, as much of the psalm does, he talks about his delight in God's word. And now he's kind of shifting gears a little bit. It's a little bit more solemn tone. And he's talking about these trials and these struggles that he's going through, how he's kind of feeling down and out at this point. The thing that I want us, the main idea I want us to think about this morning, is that we need to be people who allow God's word to speak louder than our circumstances. There's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of different sources and different voices in the world that are trying to vie for your attention. And when we only listen to what the world has to say, we kind of feel down and out. We lose hope. We don't become the people that God wants us to be. And we listen to those things. Instead, we should be listening to God and his word. God's word needs to be the loudest voice in our lives. It's the, the stronger voice that we listen to. We need to listen to it more than any other source. Later on in this psalm, he'll he'll speak again to the things that he is feeling, just to kind of give you an idea of some of the things that he's going through and how he feels during these moments. He says, My soul faints for your salvation. I wait for your word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? You ever felt like that? Been in those moments? When is this going to end, God? When will you comfort me? When will this be over? And this is how he is feeling. He talks about his trials and how he feels in these moments. He's reflecting on these hard moments in life. And despite all these things going on, I want to point out to you, he he asked God to do four different things for him as he goes through this section of the psalm. The first thing that he asked God to do is in verse 25. He simply says, God, revive me. Now, some translations will say, preserve my life. I don't think that's inaccurate, but I don't know that that gives the full picture because it's not, you know, the difference. There's, there's a difference between thriving and merely surviving. So yes, he's in one way, he is saying preserve my life, but it's more than that. He's saying, God, give me energy. Wake me up. Give me a reason to keep going, to keep doing what I'm doing. This is not the only time he asked for this Several different times throughout this psalm, he will make this same request of God. He says, "Your word, you God, are able to revive me. Give me this extra oomph let me let me have that motivation, that energy, wake me up uh, and, and revive me. Some of you understand this as far as in connection with god 's word we all have I think we all have those those passages that we turn to right those are those favorite ones that we like to go to when we 've had a bad day when we 've had a rough week, maybe we're going through a tough year, there's those passages that we like to turn to, those, those things that we go back and we kind of, you know, go, th- go to that well again, and we read those things, and it gives us comfort and gives us hope. Maybe, maybe it energizes us. Maybe it motivates us. God's word can do that for us, and this is what the psalmist is asking God to do. The next thing that he asks is in verses 26 and 27. He says, God, teach me, teach me in this moment. I think a lot of times when we're going through trials, when we're going through hard times, usually we say, how do I get this over with, right? How does this end? What's the quickest way for me to get out of this negative thing that I'm going through? I don't want to deal with this anymore. And that's a human reaction. We understand that. But what if, and I know it's difficult in some situations, what if instead of asking, well, how can I get out of this, if we asked ourselves the question what can I get out of this? What is God trying to teach me in this moment, right? How do, we, how do I make this a teachable moment? I'm going through it regardless. I don't have a choice about that. This negative thing has come into my life. It's invaded my space. I have to deal with it. So it's here, but what can I learn about God? What can I learn about his word in the middle of all of this? And so he's asking God to to teach him in this moment to learn from this. He'll say later on in this psalm that he connects this learning about God and, and being taught by God with his afflictions, with the things that he's going through. In verse 71 of this psalm, he says, It was good for me. Notice he says good. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your statutes. I, when we're going through things, I don't know about you, I'm not, when I'm going through something bad, I don't typically go, yeah, this is a really good thing. I'm glad this happened, right? None of us think that. We never think it's good. This is what the psalmist says. He said, it is good, it was good for me to go through this because I was able to to lean upon God. We sometimes want God to kind of do a removing job of that problem, and God wants to do an improving job where he says, I can teach you, I can mold you, I can help you if you will yield to me and be able to learn in this situation. The next thing that he asks for is he asks God to strengthen him, verses 28 through 30. There's a lot of things that he's going through. I won't run through all of these verses, but several times in this psalm, he mentions some of the different things that he's going through. He has his enemies that are they're slandering him, uh, they're resisting him, they're lying about him, they're causing him to, to kind of suffer and despair. In some verses, he'll talk about his life, being threatened. And so he's basically saying, God, give me the strength to get through this. And I think that's an important thing for us to do as well. When we're going through trials, when we're going through struggles, to not be too proud to ask for help, to ask God for his help, to ask God for this strength. And the psalmist knows, I'm going to get out of this, but there's going to be other things that come along. And we can relate to that. We can get through a a struggle or a trial, but we know as long as we're alive and we're still breathing, we're still going to have bad days ahead, right? And so it's not just strength to get me through this right now. It's also, he's also asking for strength for the days to come because there will be more things that come his way. And the last thing that he asks God to do is he says, God, defend me in verses 31 and 32. There's several instances where he could have fought back. He could have... Uh, fired back at these guys. And he instead, he says, I'm going to turn it over to you, God. I'm going to allow you to go to work. I'm not going to try to fight these things on my own because he says, I fear, I don't want to, to give your, your name a bad name. I don't want to, to do that. I don't want to bring shame to your name. So I'm going to let you handle this, God. And so he turns it over to God. You'll notice all of these things that he's asking God to do He's asking these things because he trusts, he relies on the word of God. He's asking all of these things according to God's word. He's allowing God's word to be louder than the circumstances and the situations that he is going through. Of course, as he's going through these things, there's this big, this big connection throughout this psalm, and even throughout all the psalms, where you see this connection of God's word and hope. And really, that's what he's doing here, too, is he's talking about, I'm going through these trials, and yet I still have hope because I'm a person who knows God's word. I have access to God's word. I know what it says, and though the world is throwing this at me, I have hope because of this. And so you'll notice in this psalm, we, we know this verse very well, in verse 105, he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where it's been completely dark, just pitch black. Uh, I remember one time we went to Carlsbad Caverns, right? And they drop you down in that little makeshift elevator thing that looks like it's going to fall apart. They bring you down there and it's just completely dark. They turn off the lights and you can't see a thing. Or maybe you've been in a bad storm and the power goes out in your house, you know, and you can't see six inches in front of your face. But if you see just a little bit of light, You see a little bit of light in those moments. That's hope. Because you know if there's that light, then there's a source of that light. And that little bit of light gives you hope. And so the psalmist says, yes, your word guides me, but it also gives me hope. Our hope should be rooted in God, in his word. Here's another way of saying it. This is in a different psalm. Psalmist there says, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word... Do I hope? A little bit of light goes a long way. It gives us hope. And there's been times where maybe you've felt like, I don't know where the hope is. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for that light at the end of the tunnel. And the psalmist reminds us, it's there. Keep looking to him. Keep looking to his word. As difficult as it may seem, there is hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There's a lot of things that the Bible says about us suffering and going through trials of our own. I'll point you to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. Peter says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you, secure you, strengthen you, and establish you. So again, these, you've got four things here, kind of like the psalmist. Here's, here's four things he says that God can do for us Now, the difference between us and reading Psalm 119 and reading 1 Peter is we know what has come in between there, right? We understand what Christ has done. We understand that when we read 1 Peter 5, it's a little bit more applicable to us because we understand we belong to him. That we have been baptized in his blood. And if you want to talk about hope, we go back and we remember what Christ has done for us. We think about his death on the cross. A cross that was meant for you and me. People who had no good in and of themselves and Christ goes and dies in our place. We think about what he accomplishes through his death and his burial and his resurrection for us to give us hope. And so this is, this is very important that when we, when we belong to him, yes, we're going to go through trials. We're going to go through struggles. But if we, will cling to, if we will cling to God, if we will cling to Christ, if we will cling to his word, this is the promise that Peter gives it's a lot like the psalmist says I know where my hope's coming from and all these things are going on but I'm still going to hope in him there's the same line of thinking later on in this Psalm 119 he says this is my comfort and my affliction that your word has given me life this is where our hope this is where our comfort should come from when we are going through hard times we need to be people who look to God's word some things for us to think about as far as putting this into practice for our own lives. We need to be people who look to God's word. To do all of these things that we mentioned here in this psalm, we need to ask God to kind of wake us up, to give us energy. God's word can do that. There's those passages that we can turn to, that we can go back to, and it kind of gives us that hope, that encouragement. We're ready to run through a wall. We need to do that when we look at God's word. We need to allow it to give us energy and revive us. We need it Allow God's word to teach us. We need to ask those questions of what does God's word have to say about this? What can I learn about this moment as I'm going through it? We also need to ask God to strengthen us, to defend us as we go through these things. We need to be people, and I've talked about this several times, we need to be people who have this daily Bible study, this daily Bible reading with God. It's so important. Because you know the world's not going to stop. You're still going to have these things kind of just bombarding you and all these negative sources coming in and trying to invade your life. We need to make sure that we are people of God's word, that we are each day taking the time to meditate on his words of hope, that we read his word. And like the psalmist, we can say, you know what? The world is throwing me a lot of stuff right now, but I have hope. I have hope in what God's word says to me. And I think sometimes we're tempted. We get, we see that light at the end of the tunnel and we make it through and we're finally out and we're like, whew, thank goodness, right? We just kind of wipe the sweat off our brow. And we're like, I'm glad I'm through that. And we're, we're, we're glad to see all that bad stuff in the, in the rear view mirror. But I think we also need to make sure that we use that moment and we say, here's how God brought me through this, right? We need to point people in our lives because they know what you're going through. They know what you're you're dealing with. And so when you successfully are able to come out of that and they're going, wow, that was rough. How'd you get through it? Then you say, here's how I got through it. And you point them to God and to his word. We need to talk about that. We need to tell people, this is how I go through these things. I have this hope in God and I have this hope in God's Word. And so we need to be people who allow God's Word to speak louder than our circumstances. We need to be people who listen to His Word, that we allow it to revive us, to teach us, to strengthen us, and defend us. I've talked a lot about, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I've talked a lot about trials and, and hard times and all that kind of stuff. And the reason is because it's true. We, we go through those things. We deal with those things. Uh, here in a moment, we're going to have an invitation song. If you're someone who is dealing with something right now and you want the prayers of the church, you want someone to just give you a hug or, or you know, say, hey, you're not alone in this, to be there for you, we're here to do that. We're going through life together. We're trying to make the best of it. We're trying to follow Jesus the best that we can. Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we go through hard times. But we're here for each other. And so if we can help you with that, if we can help you this morning with being able to to start that walk with Christ and to be baptized this morning. Perhaps that's something you've been thinking about. Uh, We're here to help you and assist you in any way. And so this church family, if we can help you with any need that you have this morning, come tell me about it while together we stand and sing.